As we get into the word, Lord, we love your word. I say this all the time, but where would we be today without the word of God? My goodness, we would be so far off in deception. Everybody would be doing what's right in their own eyes. There would be so much confusion. But Lord, we love your word, and we thank you so much that we have your word. And Jesus is the word made flesh and dwells among us. And Lord, I thank you right now. I just pray that, that your mighty anointing will settle upon me fresh. And Lord, I pray that you would lock everybody in right now by the Holy Spirit, that the anointing, the glory be so strong on people, that every person be locked in to give you their best ear, their full attention, their focus, and that the word of the Lord you would speak through me would be as the parable of the seed and the sower, as living seeds of truth sown into good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives, watered by the Holy Spirit that will take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. Lord, that your word will go out as a light. The word of the Lord is light shining in the darkness. That it will go out and dispel all the darkness and the lies and the deception of the evil one that's been in people's lives. Lord, that your word would go out and be as a hammer that breaks down every stronghold that's been in place. A sword, Lord, that cuts away what needs to go. Lord, let the wind of your spirit get behind this word today and carry it where it needs to go. Let your holy angels watch over it because Jesus taught us that the enemy tries to steal the seed. So we bind that as corporately we agree. We just bind the enemy that would try to hinder this word or steal the seed, keep it from people. We bind that it will not prevail. The word of the Lord, as the Bible says, will go forth and accomplish that which the Lord has sent it forth to do. So we commit this time in the word to you. Speak through me everything that needs to be spoken and captivate us and lock us in to receive everything you need us to receive tonight. We thank you for it. We agree together as two, as a body of Christ corporately. The Bible says if two agree, you'll do it. And we agree together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. As we get into the word tonight, how many love God's presence? Amen. I'm going to ask everybody, please give me your best ear tonight and as little as possible talking or moving around just because it's such a distraction to people. I want everybody to be able to get this tonight. This is a prophetic word, and it's where our church is and where it's going. I'm making sure that we really get a good copy of this because we got some people that are out because of the holidays and things. I want to make sure that we get a good copy of this so everybody can hear it. So I'm going to be dealing just briefly with the tabernacle of Moses and then some prophetic insight. But as I talked about in the first sermon that I did on revival, all that revival really is, we use the word revival a lot. I like the word revival. But what it really is in essence is just simply getting back to Book of Acts Christianity. That's really all that it is. You understand that? We, we have, the body of Christ has fallen away, backslidden, gotten away from the power of God, gotten away from biblical Christianity. And God has to come in and there's a group of people that will see that it will grieve them they'll pray they'll seek god with all their heart and then the lord will come down and help bring things back the way it's supposed to be so in essence that's when i talk about revival that's what i'm talking about i'm talking about getting back to book of acts christianity and the way that revival has always come historically is a deep heartfelt confession of sin and then intercession and I don't mean, I'm talking about the type of intercession that you're hearing some tonight where, you know, people are really groaning and travailing. I'm not talking about just standing in a circle and just saying, Lord, we ask you to come do this, that, or the other. That's not, 
that type of prayer is great. God answers those prayers, but that's not the type of prayer that brings revival. It's just not. The type of prayer that brings revival is where you get under a burden from the Holy Spirit. And Romans chapter 8 says, we don't really know how to pray, but the Spirit of God will make intercession through us groaning and travailing. And Paul mentioned, you know, that he was again in the pains of childbirth. It is a deep calling unto deep. It is from your gut, not from your head. Your inner man, your spirit is crying out for God. And the Lord said in that day, when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. And that's the type of prayer that brings revival. Okay. So tonight we did a little bit of that. We have some really powerful prayer meetings and God has blessed me very much with intercessors. And I'm so thankful for that. But here we are, we're praying and confessing our sins let me give you a quick story about the Isle of Hebrides. Revival was desperately needed in Hebrides. And the, the society had gotten away from God, backslid, brothels were prospering, uh, bars were prospering, young people forgot about God. And there was a group of people that saw society and were really grieved. And there was a group of about, I don't remember if it was, some of you helped me out, was it around maybe a dozen men, something like that? It wasn't very many. It, I think it was less than that. Maybe six to eight men that said we need revival so they began to meet in a barn of all places and they began and brother zach did a, a great i'm sorry a great sermon on this if you want to go to our website and listen to it but they met in this barn and they began to pray but it felt heavy and god dealt with them who will ascend the hill of the lord he that has clean hands and a pure heart who's not lifted up his soul to vanity or sworn deceitfully and so they began to understand for us to go up into God's presence, we've got to be holy. So they began to first confess their sins. And as they really confessed their sins, they felt the, the heavens open up and the presence of God began to come in. Then God showed them that there's a promise, I believe it's 2 Chronicles 7:14, if I'm not mistaken, where it says, if my people, you gotta understand, this is a promise to God's people. See, people are waiting for our government to repent. You're going to be probably waiting until Jesus comes. Okay? That's, you know. So what we need is God's people to humble themselves and pray. And they saw that in Scripture and they understood, you know, it's not about us looking at, wait a second, all these people that are in the bars and the brothels and living in sin, they need to repent. No. They said, wait a second, we're the ones that are going to pray in revival. We're the ones that are going to determine the spiritual atmosphere in the future of this area, not the sinners. Does that make sense? We're not waiting on other people. No, God's people. And so they began to pray and earnestly cry out to God, Lord, you said if we will humble ourselves, pray, seek your face, turn from our wicked ways, you would hear from heaven, heal the land. And they began to ask forgiveness for the sins of the land. And they stood on that promise that God would come down and heal the land. And he did. The power of God fell. They, they asked for Duncan Campbell to come preach. He was just an average preacher. Duncan Campbell's a wonderful man of God. But in actual fact, it wasn't like he was this spectacular superstar. They just heard from God to, to have him come. When he came, the Spirit of God fell in that, that region that they were at. And the Holy Spirit people were so convicted that they were miserable in their sin. There was people that were sitting in bars with a beer in their hand, and they were absolutely miserable. And they would begin to talk about eternity in heaven and hell and they're not sure where they would go why because the spirit of god began to move on that nation on that land and duncan campbell would just hear there was these two old ladies that were intercessors 
And I, and I know these type of people. You don't mess with these old lady intercessors. And, and they, they were in there praying and seeking God in their home, and they would hear from God to pray over this area. And so they would begin to really pray over a region there in the Hebrides. And then they would contact um, Duncan Campbell and say, you need to go preach there in that region. And Duncan Campbell at first tried to argue with the old ladies. You don't argue with old ladies that are intercessors. They hear from God, okay? David Hogan always joked around because he's this, you know, tough guy or whatever. But he said, there's only a few things I'm scared of. And one of them is little old grandmas, you know. But anyway, so Duncan Campbell said, you know what? He said, I, I'm going to go do what you said. And because they had prayed, earnestly sought God for that area, the Spirit of God went in front of Duncan Campbell. And when he would go there, he simply would just help bring order to what God was doing because the people were already under conviction. You understand that? There was, there was, a, <laughs> there was a story where people were under the conviction of God so bad that they didn't know what to do, but they knew that there was a jailer, that some sheriff guy, something, that worked in this prison, and they knew that he was a good Christian guy, so they all run to him. They didn't know what to do. They're under the weight of conviction. They realize grandmas were praying for him, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God comes upon them. They're gripped with conviction. They realize if I die, I'm going to hell. What do I do? And they're like, wait a second, we heard that there's this guy that, that's a Christian over here in this jail. So they all ran to him. Well, they sent for Duncan Campbell. When they got there, the Spirit of God was already f fell on those people and they were weeping and crying. And all he did was lead them to Christ. And he said to, through the rest of those years that he knew those men, many of them went into the ministry and never backslid, never fell away. Because they were, they were really, truly born of God. They were different. And here's another story about the Allah Hebrides. I'm telling you this because this has happened several times in history where a group of people cried out to God and God came down. I could tell you, I could spend two hours telling you stories, but I've got to get to this sermon. Here's another one, though. So the Spirit of God fell in, on Heb in Hebrides in some neighborhood. Now picture this. How many of you guys have, some of you may live out in the boonies or something, but how many of you guys live where you have neighbors all around you? I do. I live in a neighborhood, most people. Imagine this. The Spirit of God falls in this neighborhood, and lamps start coming on. Middle of the night, 2 or 3 in the morning, lamps start coming on. People start wandering out in the streets in their PJs. This is a true story. They didn't know what to do, but they were so convicted by the Spirit of God that they knew that they weren't right with God. They knew that they were on their way to hell, and the Spirit of God had just come down on that neighborhood. This is a true story. I heard Duncan Campbell tell it himself. And so they didn't know what to do, so they just all started walking toward the church. So somebody sends for Duncan Campbell. He said he couldn't believe it. He shows up there 2 or 3 in the morning, and there is a church full of people waiting on him. And they're under the conviction of God. So he preaches, and all of them get saved. You, can't, you cannot conjure that up in your flesh. You, your human intellect cannot figure out how to do that. It's not going to be your programs. It's not going to be your church as usual. God has to come down and do that. And the only way that's going to happen is when people pray. You understand? And so those people were praying. The Spirit of God came down, and it changed that nation. That nation was radically changed. It was so powerful that from one end to the other end, people were saved right and left. There was people that tried to run from it. They told stories. One guy said, well, I'll go drink it off. You know, and he runs to the bar and tries to drink. And some lady comes up to him and says, 
man, I don't know. I feel like, you know, we need to make sure we're right with God. He said, I can't even get away from this. So he runs from there to another place. And, and finally, he just, God broke him. But then the truth is it was so intense on that island that there were actually people that were so hard and so calloused and, and they hated God so much that they actually moved their families and left the island because they couldn't get away from God's presence. Isn't that something? That's how intense God showed up. But the whole area was, was shaken with the power of God. Now, I'm going to tell you this. We've had it happen in America before, and we're about to have it happen again. I'm not talking about where, you know, we're believing God to give us godly presidents and godly judges and all this stuff. I'm talking about our society shaken by the power of God. That's what I'm talking about. People are getting saved right and left. Once society has been touched by the power of God, then obviously in a democratic society, they're going to start voting different anyway. Okay, let's get the cart before the horse here, right? And so let's make sure that, that we've got things in order because some people are saying, well, we need to be praying for our government, which we do. But they're looking to them as a source. God is our source. Revival's what we need. We need the gospel. Okay? So that's kind of where I'm coming from tonight, a, a desperate need for revival in our land. That people are, are, you know, they're looking to other things, but it's going to be God that comes down. So let me give you a few prophecies I've shared before. There was a prophecy that Dr. Cho gave back in the 90s that revival would begin in Pensacola but would spread through all of America eventually. And all of America be ablaze in the fires of revival. It started in Pensacola and we've seen it do the other things he said it would do, but he said eventually all of America be ablaze in the fires of revival. So that's where it began. Now, I don't know if you guys know about the Pensacola revival, but it was really amazing. And I was honored to be able to be there a lot. All right, and then there was other prophecies. Back in the Azusa Street revival, it was prophesied that in about 100 years we would see a revival like unto Azusa, but greater, not confined to one location. So once again, we've got another promise. And then there's others. Ruth Ward Heflin, before she died, was taken up in spirit. She saw all of America blaze in the fires of revival and Dallas being the hub. And so these are credible prophecies. Now, let me just remind you that when God spoke to Abraham, his name was still Abram and told him, you need to leave your father's house. I'll make you the father of many nations. He was around, what, 75 years of age. Am I right? Whenever he finally had a son, he was around 100 years old. So he had to believe God for 25 years. How many of you had to believe God for 25 years for something? Okay. Some of you aren't even 25. So my point is this. You know, just because the prophecies came forth back in the early 90s these things were spoken or you know back into Susan street they said in a hundred years or so but just because these things have been prophesied we've got to believe god until we see it some people can't believe god more in a few weeks and then they give up abraham believed god for 25 years so let's stand on the promises all right so let me just tell you some things that that's coming We've had revival in the past. We've had revival come back in uh, the days of Wesley and Finney. Right, I'm sorry, Wesley in Whitfield. Right before the Revolutionary War, we had a great revival break out, the Wesley brothers. It was called the First Great Awakening. And this whole na nation was affected by the power of God. Then about 50 years passed, and we had the great Cambridge revival that broke out around 1800, 1805. And I mean to tell you, tens of thousands of people came into Kentucky and it was a wild move of God. It was so radical that we had to send our military back then just to help with the crowds. But they honored the move of God. Then 50 years passed in the days of Finney, Charles Finney. 
An incredible man of God saw a great revival. The whole nation was affected by this revival, the second great awakening. And then we had other moves of God around 1900, 1905. We saw the Azusa Street revival. And I could keep going. But this land has been a land of revival. And every time that revival's broken out, it has been because things have gotten backslidden and ungodly in society. And there was a group of people that began to crowd to God to move. So how many of you think that society's gotten backslidden away from God and we need a revival? All right. You're not alone. And there's a group of people here that are praying and seeking God, but be comforted with this, that there are many others that are praying. Rodney Howard Brown's been going to Washington and praying there a lot, but he said this, he said he's never seen so much prayer in his life because he said people don't know what to do and they're desperate. And all these Christians are descending into Washington and renting places and setting up tents and doing all. And he said there's a crazy amount of prayer going on all the time in Washington, okay? And you've got prayer movements that have been going on for years. So just be encouraged that God will honor the prayers of his people. He's going. But let me say this. How many would like me to sidetrack just for a moment and tell you about, a little bit about the end times, about what's going to happen? Is that okay with you? The Bible showed us, remember, Daniel's statue. It started out gold. Then it went down to silver with the Medes and Persians. How many know silver is cheaper than gold? And then it went from silver to um, bronze. Bronze is cheaper than silver. Then it went from bronze down to iron, and iron is a very inexpensive metal. And ultimately, when it got down to the ten toes, which is the last days, it was just iron and clay, which is pretty much worthless. So it started out gold and ended up iron and clay. My point is, is that there's going to be a major breakdown in society. There just is. And the Antichrist will come in with his solutions one day, but his solutions are satanic and they're not going to work. And his little confederation of 10 areas or whatever it's going to be, 10 principalities, those things are going to be very unstable. That's why they're iron and clay. So I said that to say this, the world is going to keep going the way it's going, but the church is going to see the greatest move of God you could ever imagine. I'm telling you, I'm not just saying that. That's in the Bible. It says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. We're going to see in the greatest move of God, I believe the church will see the greatest revival, even eclipsing the early church. I believe that. Why? Because of two reasons. One, God always finishes big. He always starts, but he ends bigger than, it's not, he doesn't go downhill. He goes, you know, glory to glory. So we're going to see even greater. But then also, because where sin abounds, grace much more abounds, and the Lord knows all these prophecies about the last days, perilous times, all these things will happen. He's going to send his spirit to us in a phenomenal way in these last days. And not only that, we're going to see the greatest harvest of souls the world has ever seen. Did you know that it's estimated right now that more people have come to the Lord in the last couple decades than all of previous church history? Did you know that? Yeah, and, that, and we're not done. I believe we're still going to see millions and millions of people come to Jesus. I do. I mean, look at Reinhard Bonnke's ministry alone. There was a service that God gave Reinhard Bonnke in Africa. I think it was Nigeria. It could have been Kenya, but I think it was Nigeria where there was one million, I saw the video, one million decision cards that were filled out. They didn't count everybody. They only counted decision cards that were filled out where the person said, I did not know Jesus Christ, but I accept him tonight. They only counted those cards. 
and there was one million people that got saved in one service. Only God can do that. And how many knows I love Reinhardt, but that ain't Reinhardt, that's God coming down, amen. And I saw the same meeting where they had those million people all get baptized in the Holy Ghost at one time. You should have felt the power of God. It was amazing. So I'm saying that to say that God is pouring out his spirit like you would not believe. Not only that, but even in China, God has been moving in great power in China. How many of you guys know about the underground church? There are literally hundreds of thousands of people that are getting things right with God in China, a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's taking place that's absolutely amazing. And so all over the world, you're seeing a tremendous revival. And God is gonna take things out. It's gonna be explosive. It's gonna be powerful. It's gonna be awesome. So the church is not going out of here defeated. The church is going out of here victorious, okay? And God is preparing a bride for his coming. All right, so what I want to do is just get more into the prophetic about what's going on with our ministry. So again, please, thank you guys for coming in. We love you guys. Y'all are family. But just as little moving around and talking as possible because I want people to hear this prophetic word, okay? So give me your undivided attention. All right, so the prophetic word here that God has been showing me is centered around these prophecies, okay? Colossians 3 verse 3 says this for you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God your life is now hidden with Christ in God y'all get that how many want to have a life that is hid with God it's a hidden life and look at Isaiah 4 6 it says when the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion there's got to be a purification and purge the bloodshed from Jerusalem from their midst by the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning. Then the Lord will create over the whole assembly, whole area of Mount Zion over all of our assemblies, a cloud by day, even smoke, and the brightness of a flaming fire by night. For over all the glory will be a canopy. Isn't that something? There will be shelter to give shade from the heat of the day and a refuge and a protection from the storm and the rain. And when he's talking about his glory, he's talking about spiritual protection. You guys see what I'm talking about? Spiritual protection. Something in the realm of his presence, his glory, that would wrap around his people and protect them in these last days. Numbers 24, verse 5. Balaam, I'm sorry, Balak was desperate. He knew that Israel was coming into his land. He knew that God had totally annihilated the Egyptian economy, which they were a lot more powerful than Moab. And Pharaoh had been defeated. His armies drowned in the, you know, the Red Sea. He was scared. So he hires Balaam, who was a so-called prophet for hire. How many know some prophets are not real prophets? They're prophets for hire, okay? And he gets him to come in, and he wants to speak a curse, put a curse using witchcraft, like put a curse on Israel. But Balaam could not curse Israel. Balaam stood up there and tried to curse Israel, but what ended up coming out of his mouth was blessings. And one of the things he said was, how beautiful are the tents of Jacob. But I want you just to see this metaphorically speaking, that there was a covering over Israel that could not, they, a curse could not penetrate. It could not get through to them. There was something over them. In Luke 3.22 the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in bodily form. 
like a dove. So Jesus had something come upon him and wrap him like a mantle, wrap around him and protect him. Now let me just say this in passing. The Holy Spirit is not a bird. He's, he's in bodily form. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. It's like Jesus is called a lamb and a lion. He's not a lamb or a lion. He's actually a human being, okay? The Holy Spirit, God, God the Father, Son, and Spirit, they made us in their image. So the Holy Spirit has bodily form like us, okay? But he settled upon Jesus gently like a dove would, okay? So anyway, so there's some kind of a wrapping. And what I've seen, y'all ready? I'm excited about this. I have seen us begin to have something come on this ministry fresh and new straight from the Lord. Now, I want you to, some of you can look behind you there, and uh, there is this picture on this, but it's really small, but it's the priestly garments. What I've seen is the priestly garments, because in the New Testament, Peter wrote that we're all priests, but the priestly garments have a layer of white. And you know what God's been doing in River of Life now for a little bit? He's been really deeply cleansing people. Do you remember even this year, we, you know, we keep the feast a little bit around Yom Kippur time. Remember how we had all, all those confessions and we really repented and got everything right with God? There's, there's a layer of white righteousness as God has been really cleansing his people. And, you know, there's been different dreams and visions God's been giving. There's, there's one dream that came where Jesus was walking amongst River of Life and he would see somebody and he could enter and use them real powerfully and he'd look at another person and he'd say, I can't use them. So just be aware that prophetic people have been having dreams about these things, but you've got to be righteous and pure. You know, and the Lord is serious about that and I, God's been deeply cleansing us. So there's been a, a washing and a, and a, a clothing of white Okay, that's, this is the first revelation. The second was that we started confessing the sin in this region. How people have rejected revival in the move of God. Y'all remember that? And my goodness, whenever we did that, I really felt something happening. Some of our prophetic people, our intercessors started seeing things. They were sharing it with me. But bottom line is God took something that had been dormant and kind of resurrected it and just plopped it down on us about what a week ago hit on tuesday night is it and i mean to tell you i'm no lightweight because i've been in revival for like probably 20 years but i almost collapsed during the power so god just plopped something down you know what that 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 came on us was that was i'm speaking symbolically about prophetic what god has been showing me but that was like the blue tunic the clothing of power you know the priestly garments there was a blue a blue tunic and on the bottom of it had bells and pomegranates. The bells represent the fruit. The, I'm sorry, the bells represent the gifts. And the pomegranates represent the fruit. And you know what it is? Jesus said, you will be clothed with power from on high. The Spirit of God will come upon you. And that blue garment, the blue speaks of out of heaven, is where the Spirit of God comes upon you in power. Which we've had that. But there was a new clothing of power that is coming upon us. Amen. Anybody else excited about this? And then what God showed me now, and this is all new. We've always had God's been blessing and moving for a long time, but, but this is something new and fresh. How many knows there's always more? You're not going to ever get to the place, remember this, because there's some people that think this. I grieve for them. You're never going to get to the place where you can say, 
well, Jesus, I've got it all. I have arrived. No, there's always more of the Lord. All right, so the third layer, you can see the garments there. The third layer was a layer of gold. And it had different colors woven into it, but it literally was made of strips of gold. I mean, they took, they, they beat out these, this gold and they cut it into strips and it, it was interwoven in the garments. But what that speaks, that garment of gold speaks of that wrapped, and it was, had some um, other you know, thread in it, like red and blue and scarlet and all that, but it spoke of the glory of God. Selling. And the glory is the manifest presence of the Lord. There's a difference between the anointing and the glory. The anointing is the power of God. You go up and pray for somebody, you feel like an explosive power. The word power in the New Testament is dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. So the power of God is explosive. But there's a big difference between the power and the glory. There's a big difference between the anointing. We can be anointed, and therefore because of the anointing, we can operate in the gifts, and we can pray for the sick, and they'll be healed, things like that. That's just operating in the anointing. There's a big difference between that and God's manifest presence, his glory coming down in a place. And what I've seen is what's happening tonight, I believe, is a transition even as I speak. But I've seen God's glory coming in in a new way and the glory of God really wrapping us up. And you know what it's going to be when God is done with this? It's going to be this right here. How beautiful are the tents of Jacob. It's going to be some kind of a covering and a wrapping that will really protect people. Did y'all get that? Really protect people. And it's going to be a life that's hidden in God. And here's, here's what I saw. See, you had to have all three of those layers to be able to get into the holy place. If you were going to hang out in the outer court, you can go to the bottom back page of your notes and you can see the tabernacle. The tabernacle itself was about the size of a football field. That was called the outer court. In the outer court... There was one gate in. You know what that speaks of? One way to God. You can't come through Buddha. You can't come through Muhammad. You can't come through New Age. You can't come through witchcraft. You're, if you're going to come to God, you've got to come through Jesus Christ, the gospel. That's it. So that's the gate, okay? So you come through the gate, but out there in that outer court area, it was lit up by natural sunlight. It was not the most comfortable place to be. These Levitical priests, they would wear just the pure white, but they were constantly cutting up animals and, and shedding blood and offering up these sacrifices. And you know as well as I do that it stunk out there. It stunk like death. And you know as well as I do that flies tried to gather, and it was a dirty job. You know, it's one of those things, it's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it, you know. It's, and they were out there doing what God had called them to do. But it was a difficult thing. And it, it was lit up by natural sunlight, so there wasn't really a revelation of God. It was more uh, of just going through the motions and doing what they were supposed to do. But the priest would put on not only the white, he would put on the blue and then the gold layer, and he could actually go into the holy place. So he would get out of that area of death, and he would go into the holy place where now it looked completely different. It smelt different. Now you're smelling the incense that burned. So you left behind the death smell, and now you're smelling the beautiful incense of the Lord. 
you left natural sunlight and now it's being lit up by the lampstand so now you're moving into revelation so look on the very top of the front page there and that's the inside this is a prophetic message for you guys if you'll really catch this God hear me God is taking things from the outer court river of life into the holy place did y'all hear me I'm telling you I told you guys a little while back about prophesied about different things like new jobs and relocations and everybody it was just wild what God I'm telling you by the Spirit of God prophesying this God is taking us from the outer court place of death to self cleansing getting everything dealt with that needs to be dealt with all of that stuff all the place where you have to die to self you've got to get the junk out he's been doing this with a core group a remnant but he's taking us from the outer court area and now and I'm when I say now I mean we're right at it we're going to start moving into the holy place are y'all okay with that so to go through the holy place you had to go through you see where that little priest is on the right you had to go through another veil there and they would go into that place and it was enclosed and it was beautiful and you know I had this sermon typed up God gave me this just a prophetic word for river of life I didn't tell anybody about it and there was an individual that was praying and interceding for our ministry and told me they said you know I was praying and they said all of a sudden I saw the Lord take a veil and just pull it up out of the way and said come in here and I just thought I would share that with you is that not some prophetic confirmation the Lord I'm telling you we're right at it so anyway inside this tent when that priest went in there that veil would shut behind him and like I said before all that stench of death was gone and now he went into this place and it was a beautiful place on the right hand side he had the table of showbread which is communion on the left hand side he had the seven branch menorah which lit the place up and it speaks of the Holy Spirit his revelation his presence and in front of him was the altar the golden altar of incense where they would burn incense and worship and incense represents the worship and prayer of the Saints so this was a beautiful place but look at the covering they ripped it open here in this picture but there's a thick covering that would wrap this thing up so from the outside you would not be able to see anything going on in here like I said the artist kind of reached down and ripped the top off so you could see in but it was actually completely enclosed for those that are not familiar with it but what I want to tell you about this covering will real quick just follow me about this the first layer you can kind of see it but on the inside it was blue and it had different colors interwoven and there was angels cherubim that were interwoven in there so when you were inside there you would look up on the ceiling and around you and there was this beautiful um, blue scarlet different colored covering and it had all these angels interwoven into it and so all around you you're looking and you're seeing angels and you're smelling the, the fragrance of the incense and what that speaks of is this when people are really truly a praying ministry there really is a lot of angelic activity going on but that covering that was the first layer was that that beautiful interwoven cherubim layer 
You know what the next layer was? And the artist did not do it right, so you can get your pencil and fix it. But the next layer was black goat's hair, and it was called the Ohel. This whole thing, all layers, the whole thing was called the Michigan, but this layer right here was supposed to be black, and it's not in this picture. But it was the black goat skin. You know what that speaks of? All of us have a sinful nature, don't we? We're not going to get out of it until we get glorified bodies. So you've got to learn how to die to it. But that's the sinful nature. Then the next layer was ram skins dyed red. That speaks of the blood of Jesus Christ over our lives to protect us. And then the last covering was badger skins. And badger skins, there's nothing special about it. They're boring. They're ugly. There's, I mean, it doesn't fit in at all to this tent. You know why? Because there's different revelations about it. But number one, you've got to be humble to go into this place. Did y'all hear me? You've got to be humble. The prideful will not last in the holy place. They'll get jerked back out into the outer court until they're humble. So it's a humility. The second revelation about this is even though we have the Spirit of God living in us and even though we are the walking tabernacle of the Holy Spirit, the temple of the Holy Spirit, we're still wrapped in this human flesh and it's like what Paul said, a treasure but it's hidden in an earthen vessel. So you've got to be humble and recognize that God will use people that even though they're wrapped in humanity, God is still in them and can still use them. The next revelation about that is that the things of God look drab to the world. You know what the problem with a lot of people is? They're really not saved. They sit in church, but they haven't really truly been born of God. That's why they're comfortable living in sin. And Christianity looks to them kind of boring, and it looks to the world. You know, people, people drive by tonight, and they're drinking, and they're partying, and they look over at a church and say, you know, what's the big deal? You know what that is? That's those badger skins. All they see is from the outside looking down at badger skins. But if they ever really truly come into Christ and they're able to actually go into that holy place, it's totally different. You don't see the badger skins. You see the gold. You see the presence of God. You see it's, it's beautiful on the inside. But you can't tell somebody that and then really understand it. They've got to be born of God and experience it for themselves. Because when you're truly born of God and it's real, then you're not going to want the things that are sinful anymore. You want the things of God. You hunger for the things of God. But what I saw is this. The Lord is taking us as a church into that holy place and there's going to be that, that mishkin, that covering around. Did you all hear this? I really want to make sure everybody gets real clear on this. We're going into the holy place, and there's some kind of a covering, a Michigan covering wrapping around this ministry that's going to protect it for the days ahead. And the glory of the Lord, there's going to be an open heaven, and it's going to be very powerful what God's about to do. So there is a call higher. You got to understand, God moved at Brownsville starting in 1995. This was the prophecy that it would begin in Pensacola but spread around the nation. It began in Father's Day in 1995. God poured out his spirit in Pensacola. And some of you are familiar with this, this uh, revival that took place. But let me tell you, 
The power of God was so strong, I was there. I'm telling you, it, there was such a move of God. There was over a million people that got right with God in that revival in, in a short amount of time, a couple years. But there would, there would be people, I was there, and you could see they would line up outside the church, I mean, for blocks and blocks and blocks. And at night, whenever the altar call was given, you would see people by the hundreds running down to the altar to get things right with God. It was amazing to see. And that's where it began. But did you know that it was the beginning point? It was, it was where God was starting something in our nation, but it really, in essence, was an outer court experience. That blows me away, but it's the truth. Because it was all about people getting washed in the blood of Jesus and getting right with God in those powerful baptismal services where the power of God was so strong that you know they'd water baptize them. And I joked around saying they had to have what was it, um, baptismal bouncers? Because people get hit by the power of God and start shaking and they had to have these big old guys carrying people out of the water, you know. But anyway, it was one of those moves of God where the focus was people getting right with God and getting clean, the, the water baptism, the washing. But that, that's where it began. And so God is wanting to take it now from an outer court into a holy place. So we're going to have to go farther than they did. You understand that? If you're looking at Brownsville like, oh, we could never achieve or something like that, you're looking at it like it's this thing. It is actually the beginning point. We have got to go deeper. We've got to go farther than they went. We have to. I love what God did in the 90s. I was right in the middle of a lot of it. I love what happened with you know Rodney Howard Brown meetings and Benny Hinn meetings and, and Toronto and other meetings and what God did at Brown, so it's wonderful. But that was the beginning. And did you know that during that time that people saw that that first wave that hit in the 90s was a smaller wave, but there would be a huge wave that came behind it? I believe that that's what we're talking about here. And so what God has been doing is he's been deeply consecrating and preparing you. Those of you that are, that are you know, been here, he's been preparing you to go into the holy place. And that's what this has been about. And I believe that God is going to use River of Life in a powerful way. We've already had people that, that have been drawn from distances. We've had people that are getting saved and all these wonderful things. But I'm telling you, it's just the beginning. We've just been in the outer court. We're about to go into the holy place. And I believe that in many ways, we're called and so, are, so is everybody else. We're called to go farther and deeper than Brownsville did. What does that mean? Well, in the outer court, it was people just getting right with God, really. But the holy place, there was a deeper level of intimacy with God. And that's what God is going to take people into. So here's what he's been doing. You remember Gideon? He had to cleanse. God spoke to Gideon and said, hey, Gideon, mighty warrior. And Gideon starts looking around. This true story. He starts looking around going, who, me? Are you talking to me? And so God had to convince him he was a mighty warrior and told him that he had called him to be a deliverer to Israel. And he didn't believe it. But God spoke to him and said, you need to deal with what's in your father's house. So you got to understand, Israel was worshiping Baal. And so Israel was in sin and God was allowing the Midianites to oppress them. And so the Lord spoke to Gideon. Listen to this. Gideon was going to be a great deliverer, but Gideon had to, had, had to deal with the stuff that was in his own backyard first before he could deliver Israel. 
And so God told Gideon, you take your father's bull and a second bull seven years old. Now listen, back then, a bull was uh, something that was a prized possession to own, okay? And for him just to kill his father's bull without permission, you know, that was not something he was really excited about doing. And then on top of that, the angel of the Lord told him, you go in your father's backyard and you pull down that altar that's built to Baal. So they had in the, this was an Israelite, this is a, a family living in Israel. They had an altar in their own backyard built to Baal, that they were worshiping Baal. And he said, you go down there, you start kicking that thing down, tear it completely down, and you're gonna kill one of those bulls and put that bull on top of that and let the blood of that bull go over that thing and you're going to sacrifice that to me as a burnt offering. In other words, God was saying, you're going to break down the stronghold that's been over you and your family, worshiping Baal. You're going to get that under the blood and get that thing delivered and gone, okay? Then he was to do the same thing with the Asherah pole. Cut it down, destroy it, and, and put the bull on top of it, shed the blood. And so Gideon did that. And because Gideon was willing to deal with the stuff in his life that wasn't right he was willing to get it under the blood and dealt with God used Gideon in a phenomenal way you know the story I mean he was a great deliverer in Israel but it started and that's what God has been doing with a remnant in River of Life he's been taking people deeper in all these times that God showed this to me all these for the last couple months where we've been taking communion together and we've been praying, Lord, and real specific. Some people haven't been here for it, but real specific, we would pray about different things and we would take communion and just kind of bury it on top of those issues in our lives. And just like Gideon did, we were getting it under the blood. But the difference is, is that the blood of Jesus does not cover sin, it washes it away. There's a big difference. See, in the Old Testament times, the blood would just sit on top and cover the sin but in Christ it's actually washed away. So if I was to take a marker and write on my hand and then my wife was to take some kind of makeup or something and cover it up, it would just look like it's gone. But there's a difference when it's washed completely away. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for us to be completely cleansed. And then God spoke to us also about going up the mountain of God, up Mount Sinai. This is an amazing story in Exodus 24, verse 4. It says, Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord, and then he arose early in the morning. Now, here they were. They're looking at Mount Sinai. The children of Israel are there. God descends on top of Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is shaking. The presence of God is there. There's a fire on top of it. There's smoke. They're hearing a loud shofar blast. They're hearing God's voice like thunder. And I mean, it was an intimidating sight. And the children of Israel were afraid of God and said, Moses, why don't you go talk to him for us? And so Moses did. But Moses, listen to this, he built an altar to God at the foot of the mountain with 12 pillars and 12, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men to the sons of Israel and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls and peace offerings before the Lord. Now look at verse six. Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins and the other half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. So Moses took the blood. I want everybody to get this because this is what gets you into that holy place. It's not going to be your works. 
It's not how high you jump in worship. It's not going to be how much you fast. It's going to be the blood that gets you into God's presence. So Moses took the blood and he sprinkled the blood on the people. And he said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Now listen to this. Moses went with Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel. They went up that mountain. So they had blood sprinkled on them. So I want you to picture this. Moses had told them, you better consecrate yourself to God because God's going to show up. So all of them went and they did the whole ceremonial washing, the mikvah, the baptism. They, they, they really made sure everything was right. God shows up. And now Moses is sprinkling their leaders with blood. So they've got these droplets of blood on them. And he says, let's go, guys. We're going to go meet with God. And they go up the mountain into God's presence. Can you imagine some of these guys, what they were feeling? They're climbing the mountain, looking at this thing shaking. They see, they see a cloud. They see fire. They've heard God's voice like thunder in a shofar blast. And I mean, you know as well as I do, they were half scared to death. They were probably letting Moses go quiet a ways in front of them. And they were watching this. If Moses, now Moses dies, we're all running, okay? You ready? And they're making little packs with each other. And they're climbing up the mountain. But it says this in verse 10. They got up there and they saw the God of Israel. And under his feet, there appeared to be pavement of sapphire as clear as the sky itself. Yet he did not stretch out his hand against the nobles of the sons of Israel. They saw God and they ate and drank. This was their very first feast of Pentecost. They actually ate and drank in God's presence at Pentecost. That's why it wasn't that big of a surprise what actually broke out on Pentecost that we know about because the children of Israel were supposed to travel to Jerusalem three times a year. So all these people had traveled from all over the nation of Israel. They had traveled there to be in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. They call it Shavuot and it's the Feast of Weeks and they were there. And listen to this. Most likely they were up in a rented upper room of the temple now when Jesus died at Calvary what happened in that temple it shook and that veil ripped remember that so here they are the veil had ripped at Calvary 50 days later they're in this rented upper room where Jesus told them to wait there and pray and the Holy Spirit that had been confined in that Holy of Holies where that ark is now he came out with this mighty violent wind came out of there and filled them they were there remembering Pentecost they were there remembering how their forefathers had went up into the presence of God and saw smoke and fire and so when the Holy Spirit came in like a wind and they saw fire tongues of fire over them and the supernatural, the presence of God like that, that was the very thing that they were remembering something similar happening in ancient times to their ancestors. So it wasn't a big surprise to them. But that's what I see coming, guys. I believe that it's already here. I believe God has a tremendous move of God for River of Life, and we're beginning to move into it. There is something in the way of that gold covering that is starting to settle over us right now. I hope y'all get this because I don't know how, how to word what I'm feeling sometimes, but we're leaving the outer court. I believe it's happening now. 
we are leaving the outer court. Now, there may be some people that are playing games that are still going to be in the outer court, but that's their problem. I'm going in, all right? And we're going into the holy place. And there's a covering of God's glory that we're coming into like we've never had before. And so let me close with this. Moses had set up the ark. When Moses set up this, this original tabernacle, the very first thing that he set up was the ark of the covenant. Why? Because God says the most important thing about this tabernacle is my presence and God look at that you can see it in the picture God had a pillar of fire that lived over that ark of the covenant at nighttime can you imagine growing it up in ancient Israel and every night you would sit out there sipping your tea whatever they had and looking at that thing in the distance with your, your parents and saying man that's the God of Israel he's with us like that pillar of fire at night you know, and during the daytime, it would turn into a cloud and it, it was over them and would shade them so that the, the, the heat of the desert wasn't so hard on them. And at night, that pillar of fire, which I'm sure provided warmth for them. But God's presence was overshadowing them. And then God said, after you set up the Ark of the Covenant, the very next thing you're to set up is the table of showbread. And that doesn't make sense because it's out of what I would consider to be order. But he set up the table of showbread. Why? Because that represents communion. It represents the Lord's Supper. It represents the blood. And what did I tell you that gets us into the presence of God? It's his blood. It's the table where we stop for a moment and get washed and covered in the blood. The blood gets you in. When the priest went in on Yom Kippur on the Day of Atonement, he would have to sprinkle blood on the ark. If he didn't get covered in blood, he was not, it's not going to go well for him. But he had to go in there washed in the blood of the sacrifice and sprinkle blood on that mercy seat. And when the blood was there, the glory of God came down and he prayed to, in front of that, that glory face to face. Does that make sense? It's the blood. And Moses had to deeply consecrate that location unto God. He had to go through and anoint everything. I can't tell you how important that is. We've got to go through, you intercessors and prayer warriors and some of you leaders, you've got to help me with this. You've got to go through and keep the place of God holy and keep it clean. Going through and anointing it and praying over it. And Moses consecrated it unto God. And he took those priests and he, he water baptized them. He, he uh, performed the blood sacrifice for them. He anointed them and he consecrated them. And because everything was consecrated, the glory came. And so what I say is this, as we're going into the holy place, get ready, because there's some things that are really about to start happening in River of Life like never before. The presence of God is going to increase radically. There's prayers. I'm just saying this, that what God has shown me, there's prayers that others have prayed that are going to start affecting us because it's connected to what God is about to drop on this ministry. When God sends like a mantling or something from him like that, a lot of times there's a lot of other things associated with that. There are prayers, there's blessings, there's provision, and there's people that somehow are connected to what's coming on us and it's gonna be drawn in. And I believe that we're right on it. We're heading into it. So, 
How many of you guys are ready to start going into the holy place? How many are ready for there to be a new level of covering over this ministry, a new level of his anointing and his presence? Yeah, me too. So Lord, we thank you for it. And let me say this as daily assignments, just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because I believe that we're coming into a time. I believe we're coming into a time where God is wanting us to be sensitive to his spirit that throughout your personal day, every day, that there's gonna be a prayer life. There's gonna be walking in the spirit stepping out in faith because God is going to have prayer assignments for you. He's going to have witnessing opportunities for you. He's wanting to use you. Are y'all hearing me about this? This this new level is really wanting God's wanting it to really start affecting us in a new way. So be sensitive in your personal daily life that God is going to start giving you little nudges and little assignments he's wanting you to do. I believe healing and deliverance is about to go to a whole new level. I believe a grace of a bride being made ready for Christ's coming is about to go to a whole new level in River of Life. We're right at it. It's not like it's ways off. I believe we're right at it, and it's even really begun tonight as we prayed. I felt just the beginning of this starting to come in. But understand this. There's a grace about really being consecrated unto God the communion table, the water baptism, the washing of the water, the word as well, but the water, the anointing with oil, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who sanctifies us and the ministry of holy angels. I don't have time to teach on it too much, but Hebrews says there's ministering spirits sent to minister unto the heirs of salvation. And Zechariah saw the high priest and angel take off the dirty garments and put on clean garments on it. It was a sanctifying ministry. So the, the holy angels help with these things. Whew, man, I feel something in this house tonight so strong. I felt it ever since we started worshiping. Lord, we receive it right now. Listen, let's shut down recordings and I want you to play that number five for me. And will y'all pray with me just a little bit more? Let's, let's ask the Lord. What I felt is that there was the Holy Spirit, there was things that should have went farther